And greetings, everyone. You're listening to KYRS Medical Lake Spokane, 88.1 and 92.3 FM. And this is Art Hour, and I'm your host, Mike Malsom. I'm your other host, Eric Woodard. Eric, today, well, first of all, just a quick little shout-out. Uh, it was a great article today in Inlander. For oh, your, thank you. And you were in there, Tari Ferrari. Um, but today, we have a, a guest that I was introduced to, and it was about 10 years ago, believe it or not. Um, but uh, Spokane, I would say native, but has done a lot of traveling. And this is a person of many talents, musician, writer, philosopher, poet. And we're going to see where our guest Madeline McNeil is now, as I think she's about ready to make another move into maybe another world of art, so to speak. So welcome, Madeline. Thank you. It's so nice to be here. So, Madeline, just for, you know, general listeners, um, kind of just a brief background um, that got you to the point where you knew um, music and philosophy were going to be kind of a big part of your life. Yeah, brief. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, so I uh, did start learning how to sing in my early 20s. So I am 39 to be 40 in uh, the spring, Mm. and I was about 22 years old when I started to learn to sing in college, and I actually switched my major from pre-med to music as a senior in college. So that was a big step. <laughs> uh, I practiced a lot. We'll just take about eight years and say I practiced a lot. And then about eight years uh, after I first started learning to sing, I started to have ideas. And those ideas became what I call body philosophy now. So it combined the vocal training with some other breath modalities like yoga and meditation to focus on what I call the core muscles, which are muscles of the torso, neck, and head. These are all the muscles that I'm using primarily to sing opera. Uh, So I focus on those muscles as a landscape for exploring philosophical questions. So what I do is I will map how the core muscles are moving and feeling during different human experiences to come up with theories about emotions. And then I have theories of mind, consciousness, and the spiritual experience as a body process, particularly involving the movement of the core muscles. So that (laughs) happened about 11 years ago. That was in my late 20s that I started having ideas for the body philosophy. And since then, I have developed as a musician and performer and also as a philosopher I started performing about seven years ago, mostly doing a guitar and voice set that was kind of like 1930s, influenced jazz, a little bit of opera. I just go in between jazz and opera, and it's cute, and I have some originals that go in there. So that was one of my artistic uh, tracks. And then I was also developing the body philosophy, but... Uh, recently I've been mashing it all together. So I've been writing plays that will include some of my original music, but with body philosophy in it, within a bigger story um, where I'm addressing many other kinds of topics. And I can talk about those, Mm. what those topics are as we get into it. Is that all? Is that the brief? Bio? Well, there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
So <laughs> I, I, I want to go back to, because what's most interesting to me, because I don't know anything about it. Now, when you say body philosophy, is this something that already exists, or is this something that you're kind of creating a, a philosophical idea out of these existing structures that you were talking about, like yoga and things like that? Yeah, it's my creation. In a, It's an interdisciplinary uh creation. So I'm drawing from other disciplines to create what I've what I call body philosophy. Um so it's a very different point of view and I have um shared it in many different kinds of venues and with many kinds of different people. Um and it's just interesting to see who is interested in it and who isn't and that's ongoing. Uh, so there's a lot that we could. Uh. So, and, and no pun intended here. At, <laughs> at, at its core, body philosophy, from your thinking, is, is what does it embody? What is the nature of body philosophy as opposed to a more intellectual uh, mind mm. type of a thought? Oh, thing? I like it. Yeah, so the, it arrives at the conclusion that we are bodies, and uh, so if I think about some spiritual disciplines, for example, there, there is uh, an idea often that we are, the body is part of the self, but also part of the self is the soul, perhaps. Um, and so the body might be a vessel for a soul that might be an infinite. And I have the perspective that I am a body and that's it. But I, I um, will talk about the soul experience as a body process. So for example, I will talk about the awe experience, moving into uh, a, an experience of awe, and that could be just an A-H awe, where I will map that positioning inside the body. The soft palate, which is this dome-shaped muscle behind the top molars, is high. Ah, and the larynx is low, and the ribs are expanded, the abdominals are expanded, the pelvic floor is expanded, and it cre- you can inhale with those expanded uh, movements, and then exhale, and and so it could it, you could describe that as an expression of a serene uh, core. I breathe in, I call it a half yawn, so I, a full yawn's like you know. We all can do this. A half yawn is uh, less um, robust than a full yawn, but the mouth is open, and then there's expansion happening from head to pelvis. Inhale, exhale on an awe. And then I can um, uh, further uh, I can further develop the awe because I'm a singer. I can be like, ah, ah, ah. It's this, this is a chant kind of ex- expression that I'm that I'm vocalizing right now, and it is uh, one of the cores of, um, of of spiritual expression chant chant music. But all it is is an awe. There aren't, there isn't a word, but what I will do is describe that um, experience in terms of what the core muscles are doing, and then the sensations that are felt internally. So going back, the idea is that I investigate the soul experience as a body process. So that's one area. Mm. 
one area. And then I could go and talk about the idea that we are minds in a body or that the mind and body is, is separate. And I would say that the mind is also a... Um, an exercise of the body. I'd say one of my definitions of the mind is a self-generated sensory experience of the body. So it's the idea that the senses aren't shutting off or they're not, they are, the senses are included in an imagination experience. So if I go into a dark room, for example, the idea is that the eyes need to work in order to continue working. The ears need to work in order to continue working. So if, I have, if I'm in a room with no stimulation, no sensory stimulation, the senses are going to continue to exercise in order to stay, to maintain themselves. So the mind for me is not a, a, a soul brain operation. It's a sensory body operation. Again, coming to the conclusion that the self is a body. And there are a lot of implications to thinking this way, uh, just individually, but then culturally, we live in a society that would like to think of like the brain as the driver and the body as the driven, the machine. And my perspective is, is bringing attention to the flesh, to the body, and saying actually the senses are informing uh, the mind directly. Uh, and so it, it from that this very... Uh, foundational level, I'm like, okay, I'm trying to tip everything on its head. Sure. (laughs) Have you explored at all the idea in psychology of embodied cognition? Yes, I've done probably as much as like some web searching and Mm -hmm. looked into practitioners of that. So is there a difference between what you're talking about and the idea of embodied cognition? And the idea of embodied cognition is, is what you're talking about. The idea that it's not, thoughts don't necessarily transfer from the brain to the body, that they can go from the body to the brain. It is a two way street. So, uh, and I guess the, the other question that that's part of this is when I think philosophy, I think of it's codified into something like, um, a manifesto or, um, I mean, is this, is this something that you have, cause you, you, you say you've, you've talked to people about it. Is this something you've put into writing or um, where does this philosophy reside? Is it in a manifesto or is it in your music or is it just something that you're, you're working on verbally that you talk to people about? Where is that? Uh, yeah, it's, um, so to address that question, uh, I have a, book it's a dialogue it's a dialogue between two women it's a teacher-student dialogue and this came out in 2013 self-published it's short it's 80 pages but um it was my first uh project to try and define a mass of ideas that i was having that was so overwhelming that i was I felt kind of like I was hanging onto a cliff just trying to get myself stable. So uh, the book, um, the first question, so this, it starts with a student asking a question, then they have a conversation. The first question is, what is the meaning of life? Second question is, what are feelings? Third question, what are emotions? How do we think emotions? And then the book is called, Is There a Soul? So is there a soul? What is consciousness? And there are other questions, too. That was my first project. Um, I've written several essays. Um, I have a little book of poetry here. I have some of the ideas in music. Uh, Some playwriting has also um, 
hashed out some of these ideas. Um, and I'm th I feel like where this philosophy is residing is is in art, but I think that that is um, appropriate for these kinds of ideas because it is an embodied uh, collection of of ideas about what the self is. And so, interestingly, I mean, I I'm still it's been eleven years, but if I were to talk to a philosopher in academia. Um, I'm sure that other philosophies of philosophers <laughs> would be part of the discussion. And what I would do is just have a conversation about what people think and then have a, and then talk about those ideas in terms of how I see the topics that we're both uh, thinking about. So as you're talking about ideas, I mean, obviously art is, is not just ideas. It's the execution of ideas. So how do we, how did um, the, the philosophy that you were developing inform the things that you were doing artistically? How did it change what you were doing? Or where do we maybe see those ideas emerging in the art that you're creating? Um, they are in my writing is that what you mean like how so they're in the plays they're, they're in the plays do you mean how did how was I changed or where do you find them both how has it changed <laughs> me <laughs> so I wouldn't be able to sing like I can sing had I not developed this philosophy so how is it different then what do you mean how is it different well how is it different because you've developed this philosophy how is my voice different? Mm -hmm. If you say you couldn't sing the same way because you've de developed this philosophy, what does that what does that look like? How is it different because yeah. of it? So, for example, I have um, one of the exercises, uh, one of the ideas is that we have these reflexes inside of us, inside the core, that structures our emotions. So I would say that emotions are often initiated by events, flesh events that are happening in the core. And for example, so I'll, let's see, we'll start, we'll start with the idea of a cough because it's an easy example to first start with. There's an, there's an initiation in the throat, like a tickle in the throat, and then there from head to pelvis there is a contraction. <laughs> and if you map internally, there's head to pelvis sensation and contraction. It's not just in the throat. So this is a demonstration of these reflexes. Okay, so let's say if I have like an irritation in the gut, a gut feeling, there's an event going on in the gut in the same way reflexes will structure contraction throughout the core and it'll shape the voice into something like, it's a moan. So this idea that events are, that emotional events begin, uh, have a location somewhere in the core and then structure uh, an emotional expression can be applied to how I sing and communicate an emotion to to an audience. So I could just sing, I could add a moan, so you can hear, I think, the tone quality, I mean, it's a little bit louder. I mean, I could try to do it at the same volume level, but the, the quality has been changed because I am actively contracting in the gut and then riding the reflexes. 
so that the expression is now an expression of uh, the gut, the, the moan, the gutty, the low gut pelvic moan. This is interesting. I'm <laughs> 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 not a lot of burlesque shows and stuff. I'm going to not be too explicit, but I'm just not really too shy <laughs> about the low body. In our culture, we're often told to suck in the gut. Or, you know, as women, we often are, um, we, I, I'm the only woman in the room. Uh, I um, have been asked to contract, numb, cut off in some ways the experience of my low body. Uh, and I've learned how to um, reclaim that so that I am expressing not only with good breath, which is a head to pelvis activity, but expressing my experiences from my low body. And I've noticed, especially if I, as I do teaching, that a lot of women and men, it's, everybody, we're often cut off, uh, or maybe a better way is we're not fully contracting, we're not breathing into our low body and fully contracting from our low body in order to express experience or ideas. And this is kind of getting back to this idea that we're just heads or brains in a body. You know, the, the higher up we can demonstrate we are, the more, the smarter we are seen to be. If we can, yeah, if we can be seen as like neck up beings or chest up beings, that means that we're smart. But if we're like, you know, engaging from down low <laughs> in expressive emotional ways, subconsciously perhaps or maybe even consciously people are judged as not being smart or something or you're just sensual or something like that you know you're too emotional that's not smart and so this is on a cultural level me bringing together this uh, challenging this idea that an emotional person is not an intelligent person or an intellectual person and I run into stuff like that <laughs> <laughs> interesting yes <laughs> eric we got uh that point where we should start, start on our, our business, business yeah and go we'll, for it yeah art hour receives support from south perry pizza featuring rotating local artists and serving hand-tossed artisan pizza beer and wine that's at 1011 south perry street and online at south perry spokane.com Hang out with me, Jukebox Jenny, on Sundays from 6 to 8 p.m. to hear America's very own music, the blues. Let me help you shake the trouble out with a mix of funk, R&B, and blues from Delta to Chicago. You'll hear... Don't forget to shake your rump, too. I'm living for the weekend. It's a cocktail that will soothe the soul. Working Women's Blues, Sunday nights, 6 to 8 p.m., right here on KYRS.
This is your Live and Local Calendar for Thursday, December 12th to Sunday, December 15th. The Live and Local Calendar receives support from Treeport Music Fest located in downtown Boise, Idaho. First round of artists has been announced, including Chromatics, Japanese Breakfast, Omar Apollo, Madhu Mokhtar, and many more. March 25th through the 29th, tickets and more information available at treefortmusicfest.com. Thursday at the Lucky You, B Radicals, Lucas Brown, and Jason Perry. At Zola, it's the Blake Braley Band. At the Knitting Factory, Static X, Wednesday 13, Davy Suicide, and Society One, and at Bolo, still kicking. Friday at the Pin, Misfit Hour 2. At the Knitting Factory, Stone in Love, Moving in Stereo, and Atari Ferrari. At Bolo's, it's Karma Circle, and at Zola, Pastiche. At the Big Dipper, you'll find Throne Burner, Dark White Light, and Trash Casket. Saturday at the Hot Mountain, Dallas K. At the Iron Goat, Dario Ray, featuring Michael Starry and Zach Zuniga. At the House of Soul, Motown Soulful Christmas with New Jack City. Sunday at Zola, Glass Honey, and at the Spokane Falls Community College, the Spokane British Brass Band presents the Holly and the Ivy. Help keep Art Hour coming to you every week for as little as $3 a month by texting Give KYRS to 44321. Art Hour relies on support from listeners like you. Just $3 a month keeps KYRS going strong, and you can help by texting Give KYRS to 44321. In Lewis and Clark High School's Tiger Drama presents Disney's High School Musical. Shows at 7 p.m. on December 5th, 6th, 7th, oop, that's past, 12th and 13th, with a 2 p.m. matinee on December 14th. Location is Lewis and Clark High School, 521 West 4th Avenue in downtown Spokane. Information at tigerdrama.com. And I know that Tiger Drama is great because my daughter went through Tiger Drama. Yeah. I teach at Lewis and Clark High School, and uh, I don't think there's any finer high school drama department that I've ever seen. So uh, if you've never seen a Lewis and Clark High School drama uh, production. I suggest you get down there tonight at 7, uh, tomorrow at 7, or Saturday at 2. Ditto, yes. So, Madeline, um, before we delve deeper into this, which I'm intrigued by, you have a, maybe a song you want to play for us? Yeah, what should we do? Um Let's see. I have I have a few, and I'm going to reflect on what I'd been talking about and what might apply well. So I'm going to do a little, uh, just an acapella thing. Um, maybe I'll do a little bit of a vocalese before that with some opera, operatic expression. Hmm. I feel deep pelvis reflex riding contractions of my core shaping sounds resonating skull bones ah I body exercise yes pelvis to head mind of movement sub posture thought this is where children grow and I decide with yes and no if I shall birth human beings. Core muscles, pelvis to head, supposture thought, no and yes. They move together to decide if I shall bear the tribe or barren to grow myself and you. Oh. 
Wow. Intense. <laughs> oh, yes. There we go there. Yeah. <laughs> An operatic thinker is sometimes how I just will. So when you were in, uh, you, you said you started off as a pre-med student yeah. uh, at Western and um, started singing. And apparently, you know, at some point in time, you were taking vocal lessons, you know, probably to learn how to sing opera. At what moment or what happened where something triggered the fact that you became this instrument, this body? Mm -hmm. I'm trying to make this connection. Yeah, thank you. Uh, between that experience as a as a learner, and then you and then experiencing something mm -hmm. that caused you to m try to think there's a connection here between what I'm doing as a discipline, learning how to sing opera music using all of my core muscles, and this thought that maybe that's what's controlling my thoughts and emotions as opposed to the other way around. Yeah. Oh, that's fun. Thanks for the question. I appreciate that. Uh, it's So I remember when I was learning how to sing, um, coming from a, more of a sciencey background and wanting to do pre-med, so having a real interest in anatomy and physiology before I learned started learning to sing, um, I would take lessons, and often the instructions would be... It would be poetic and metaphorical, like, feel like you're rowing upstream. <laughs> <laughs> feel like you're smelling a rose while you are inhaling. And, you know, these kinds of things. And I'm just like, can you please just tell me what to do? Mm. And my teachers were lovely, just lovely people. But, I, but that was something that um, didn't make sense to me. Why use poetry to describe what I'm trying to do mm. in the body? It was long before I started doing body philosophy, but um, I know that that was something that I was desiring. Uh, after I graduated um, and was, had practiced for three more years, I started to, I hit a wall. I, I needed to do some body work because I was so tense. I mean, you mentioned, you know, that last thing I did. That was intense. Well, mm -hmm. I was tense. Um I just, I think I'm kind of an intense emotional person and I had become very uh, conditioned to try and make myself be what society wanted me to be. And in doing that, I was in a lot of pain, whether it was from like too much sports and not being healthy. Um, and then also I had some diet issues because I wasn't eating the right foods, too many carbs, too much dairy, all this stuff. So I was just in a lot of physical pain in my late 20s. I needed to make a change. That change included a diet change. And then also I did a lot of massage work on myself. Um, it was quite intense where I was, I did about five months of massaging the tension out of my muscles. And in doing that, my voice really started to open up. So it wasn't just like massaging out my back and my neck a little bit. It was getting into the abdominals and into the neck, the, the fronts of the, I mean, I, I went in with the guidance of a book. My voice really improved after that, and I also had some uh, some new emotions, some new uh, abilities to feel that in ways that I hadn't been able to feel before just because I was so tense and numb to those movements, to those emotional movements. And that's when I started to have the ideas to connect the actual musculature to emotional states the, I have this term called core postures, which is kind of like a yoga term, but it's um, the idea that each emotion has its own pose, 
So like anger is a contraction mm. often in the front of the core front. It's like a frontal armor that um, can be used to deflect or maybe move the body forward to attract, attack. Sorry. And then um, that's opposed to like a smile, which you can see the smile, you know, the sides of the face and everything like that. But moving down through the core, the chest is a little bit lifted. The ribs are a little expanded. There's some contraction sensation in the belly and the pelvis. And now I'm smiling. If I just relax from the neck down and to try to raise the corners of my mouth, you can see it in the studio. It should look fake. There isn't, yeah, you see that? <laughs> <laughs> now I'm smiling again. <laughs> and if I map that little laugh, there's movement from head to pelvis. So it's the idea that a smile is actually a full core activity exercise and there are reflexes within the body that are encouraging the muscles in the face to move that's what we see because we don't really have much of a cultural consciousness of what is happening muscular muscularly in the core from the neck down we don't even conceptualize we don't even visualize what those muscles are and they have weird shapes <laughs> but as a singer i've kind of got into that i'm like oh yeah the diaphragm is this parachute shaped muscle underneath the lungs and it flattens on the inhale and so i'm i'm visualizing these muscles as i'm moving into emotional states and mapping them other theories followed and the theories are like the mind and consciousness and the spiritual experience. They're much subtler. And so I had to do like the big ones first, like what is anger? Urgh! And do those very robustly. And this is part of the opera training because opera singers are doing all these weird dang noises all the time. So I didn't have inhibitions into moving into those states, uh, including the big angry, you know, the ones we consider more negative. If we just had positive emotions in art it would be really boring right so all emotions are on the table mm. <laughs> explore all of them once i had that down that mapping down then i could move into subtler uh, inquiry the mind and consciousness because those are just things that we do very subtly so getting back to eric's question earlier how did how did you change you know your singing or your performing based on your body philosophy. And it sounds to me like you wouldn't have not maybe progressed as soon as you did or maybe as at as high a level as you are in a skill if, if the teaching was done at an intellectual level, like you were describing. Think of some metaphor. You're, you're thinking intellectually to, to try to produce a feeling of what your body wants to do. And for you, what worked best was like i need i need to really have my body do create the expression and and i mean just the reverse Correct. of that yeah and now you're talking about getting through the big ideas and you're into the subtle ones is that also kind of where you are evolving as a singer is now that you've mastered certain control of your whole core that you're able to do some things now vocally that you couldn't have done maybe three years ago yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a few things that I want to speak to with that. So, for example, when I was going through school, I would talk to myself while I sang. Like, oh, here's this big note that's coming up. You, <laughs> you got to do these things. You got to lift the soft palate and you got to lower the larynx and you got to, you know, so I'd be self-talking while I'm singing an, an aria, working up to this next big high note. Ah! But what I've realized since in doing the body philosophy 
is that um, it's a subtle movement. It's a diminutive uh, exercise thinking. Uh, when I'm talking to myself, being like, you better do this, the, the vocal cords are actually moving. The tongue's moving. There's movement in the jaw. There's subtle movement, or it's to myself. But it's actually an exercise that is not what I should be doing while I'm singing, which requires more robust movements, uh, which is like the soft palate, the tongue should be moving fluidly through these notes. If I, uh, I won't say an example, but yeah, the tongue should be moving fluidly through these notes in big ways, not in this, not in a kind of tense self-talking activity. Like, oh gosh, you got to hit this high note. So the, when I was doing that, when I actually got to the point of the high note, it was really strained. I was in a place of tension because I was sub-vocalizing or self-talking doing that. So with the body philosophy now, I'm like, oh, there actually is movement while I'm, while I'm thinking. There is core movement while I'm thinking to myself emotionally. So I shouldn't do that. I should just focus on moving the core muscles in a way that they need to move to sing these notes Okay. Yeah. That's that's one example. Oh my goodness, I kind of <laughs> forgot about the rest of what you were saying in the other tracks. I'm sorry that I was going to go on. Do you recall? Well, it was just that you were working you there was a hierarchy. You had to work through big emotions like anger and all that and then you got to the point once you got through that you could work on real subtle things. So I was just thinking as a as a vocalist, you know, I was thinking when we had Kellerin uh mm. Millam here, she was talking about just the, the treating of the whole body as an instrument and how that just made a big difference. Mm -hmm. But you had to get to that point to get to the subtler stuff. you know. And again, I'm looking at your way of approaching your craft as uh, a high-skilled vocalist, mm -hmm. but you're doing it almost like a, it seems like a little bit of a reverse process. You're relying on your faith in your core mm -hmm. to inform things as opposed to intellectually sending a signal down and then coming out with this. Right, yeah, and so I'm challenging that paradigm, the idea that we're brains and bodies yeah. Like, yeah. at its core. <laughs> and uh, and so, yes, I mean, yes, this body philosophy has informed my the development of my voice. The body philosophy is also me. I mean, it is, it is something that I'm doing as an artist, and it's, I've completely integrated it into how I think. So when I first started to have ideas, it was crazy in that all I was having were visuals and feelings. When the ideas first started, it was probably a dozen a day. Maybe, I have no idea. I really have no idea. But I was having so many ideas, I had no idea what to do with them. I didn't know what was going on. I had no vocabulary. I didn't even have the core, the word the core. I thought, well, people think of the core as low in the body, you know, the mm -hmm. kind of the abdominal area. And then I looked it up and I was like, the core is the torso, neck and head. I said, okay, maybe I could do, I can just reframe this idea of core in this work because I needed words in order to communicate this. I went into a huge depression, um, like in my, uh, around 29, 30, because I was so confused about what was happening and again I had no words to describe what was happening I was you know like a hundred pounds like 
which is much, much less than I am now. I mean, it was a full mental change and I had to create in order to make sense of it because I was actually afraid that I would like spin off and have to be institutionalized or something. It was that significant. So when I say that I'm a philosopher, I really mean it. <laughs> you know, sometimes people are like, oh, that's kind of cute. She says she's a philosopher. No, I, mm. I actually am. And uh, <laughs> because I, I'm not anything that that's that the philosophy is the bulk of my creative work. I have written songs, but. Um, but yeah, my performance work is mostly covers. And now I'm really transitioning into wanting to create my own works. And what the, my own works are, are plays that include body philosophy theory. So one of the plays I'm writing, for example, is um, about AI. It's about creating an artificial intelligence that breathe, the, the robot breathes. And her name is Muse. And the idea is that Muse was created by a woman to, as, as an art as a work of art. So she reflects our own humanity is the goal, whereas a lot of artificial robot robotics is culturally conceptualized to be an evolution of human. It's the, the robot is better at this or can live forever or something like that, so it'll be the next step. You know, transhumanism is something where we, I mean, very generally, the idea that we'll be able to download our ID, our minds into machines and lived forever that way kind of achieve a rapture of technology so i challenge that in this play by saying actually if i think if we were to create an emotional conscious being it would be something that is as close to being human as possible uh so there would be breathing and there would be mortality and there and um and a core a core you know eats and sleeps and you know i don't think it's actually possible I will just say that, <laughs> but I do think that it could we could come closer to that. I would I think that the the first thing this is in reality, not in the play. The first thing, it's kind of in the play, that we would create as a baby. So without words, just emotions, and and engineer all of the needs that a baby has for touch and for um, for food and all of that stuff, and then from there we could possibly think about creating something that is uh, uh, an adult, you know, more sentient um, and intelligent. So anyway, the play is uh, about a robot that can feel and she's created in a brothel of sex workers. This is fun. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a very, f it's, it's an all-female cast. And the reason why I do that is partly to challenge myself because, you know, we have in theater and also in film um there's this test called the Bechtum test this isn't meant to be a test for everything uh but um what is it the first one is are there more than is there more than one female character are there two or more female characters number two is um do they talk to each other and number three is do they talk to each other about something other than a man and if you go through like movies and plays there are a lot of that don't fit, that don't pass. So I was like, okay, let's do it. This is, I'm writing a play for nine female characters. And um, it's a fun story. It sounds as if you're kind of, I mean, you're not only creating a philosophy, you're kind of creating 
a world around your philosophy that includes, um, I mean, the futurism, that includes the, the written word, that includes music. And I'm going to ask you a question that I don't even know if there's an answer to, but you had said earlier you're try you had spent some time trying to make sense of things and and I think making sense of things is putting it into a narrative i mean it, it, first this then that climax all that stuff so in this world that you're creating and it's just it i mean i don't know if you if i if i've got this right i don't know if you've ever used that terminology but it seems like you're creating a world where does this seem to be heading and i this is such a long question but one of the things that I mean, as you're talking about this, it sounds like it's something that um, is is practical that could be shared with other people in a in a way that uh, music instruction or yoga instruction or massage instruction or any of those other things could be put together. But it sounds like you're you're putting these all together. You're synthesizing these in a different way. So I, I'm just trying to. And I, again, I don't even know if you know the answer to this question. But what does it look like moving forward? This world that you're creating, this philosophy that you're creating, this this world of art that's all built around these ideas, but is also ideas and practice. Where does this go? No, I love it. Thank you for asking that question. Yes, I think you're right. It is a world that I'm trying to create. Uh, I mean, I've learned to live in the society as it is, but a lot of it really just doesn't make sense to me. And so I, I think as an artist, what I'm trying to do is create a world that does make sense, that feeds my senses in a way that I'm like, oh, yeah, that that makes more sense to me. And art does that. Um, plays can do that because you're taking the group of people out of the world as it is into a, a dark room. You're put, giving it its own scenery and you're giving it its own story you're immersing them in a different kind of reality and so then they can go out into the world again and maybe overlay what they just experienced onto the world that exists and be like oh yeah this doesn't make sense anymore something like that <laughs> or I didn't realize how much that didn't make sense until I was just in this show uh, so where is it going um, I think of myself as uh, an artist intellectual healer so the artist part is is the voice uh the intellectual and for me it's philosophy and then um the healer i also give body work and teach lessons so um, bringing people into a state of health and i would like to imagine um artists more artists having that aesthetic those those three things um, art, intellect, health. It kind of creates my own little trinity, if I might kind of go back to a little... Mm. I grew up Catholic. Not Catholic <laughs> anymore, but yes. We'll just use some of these words. Uh, my own little trinity, um, yes, art, analysis, health, or art. Yeah. Uh, somebody said to me that that's kind of like um, mind, body, spirit. So the art would be spirit, um, body would be health, mind, body, spirit... The mind, mind would be would analysis, be yeah, yeah. The mind yeah. would be intellect. But for me, it's all rooted in being a body. 
So it is absolutely a whole world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and then, I mean, it seems like that's something you could, I, I mean, you could consult. Like you were talking, you were doing, you do body work and voice work with people. I mean, it seems like that would be a natural offshoot of what you're doing where you consult with people and you help them with, you know, the trinity that you were just talking about. Is that something? So it sounds like something that you're already doing and something that maybe you'll expand to more in the future. Yes, I have been doing that kind of work for um, seven years. This is interesting. I mean, when it comes to the body, people in our in our society, people think of the body or doing, when I say body philosophy or body work, they're like, oh, I'm not saying this is what you said, but this is this is some of my experience. You bring the body back to a state of health. That's that is the role of somebody that kind of talks the, the way that I do. Oh, work with people who are ill and bring them mm-hmm. back to a state of health, and then they can participate back in the system. In this system, and that is something that I'm like, yes, I do want to bring people back to a state of health, but I also want to be at the table talking about philosophy and how we plan and structure society, and that's where I have hit some of my challenges, my walls. Um, people are like, no, just just be just be the healer, and I'm like, no, I want to be at the table. And sexism does begin; it comes into play in a huge way. For me to say that I'm a philosopher, just even be recognized as a philosopher, is something that um, you know people are just like, oh, you know, self-described philosopher <laughs> kind of thing. I, I'm not necessarily allowed at the table to discuss philosophical ideas. Um, that have to do with the body because people think of the body on a kind of hierarchy with it being at the bottom and the intellect being on top. And my whole argument is that, no, the mind is an exercise of the body or the spirit is an exercise of the body. Um, I mentioned to Mike before Mm. we did the show that I've started to minister um, at Unitarian Universalist churches and the majority of the congregation, okay, I can't even say this, for people who don't know, and this is a big generalization, but um, I've gathered that Unitarian Universalists give spaces for people who did grow up in um, a religious, maybe Catholic, Christian, Jewish, and began to question their religious dogma, and then, but missed the community and are still wanting to explore. And so the Unitarian Universalist church gives them a space to explore and i've been sharing my ideas performing being an intellectual and leading the congregation through embodied activities um in an hour that has felt that's felt good so i feel like i've actually crossed into being acknowledged as an intellectual who also is in the arts so Prior, because um, I would say at least um, the last few years, you you have kind of traveled down a road less traveled mm-hmm. than than the traditional what most people would be doing in terms of your you know the lifestyle. You went to like California, and you're, you're very minimalist in how you know how you the needs that you really need to have a satisfactory life or something like that. Is that um, also uh, an extension of your growth through the 30s? And now you're kind of getting into this transition, as you were saying, as you're 
nearing 40. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would I would love, you know, so the travel, so I've been for two and a half years, I've had a van, I've <laughs> done that, doing that. I've had a van and I've been able to travel mostly northwest, west coast and and learn about what that's like, uh, the traveling artist person. Uh, and that's been fine. And I've done shows and stuff. Um, touring, um, I hope this is okay to say it. This it just feels like a good analogy. It feels like doing a lot of one-night stands where you're having an intimate experience with an audience, but then you leave. And there isn't any growth or learning about the, the people uh, so what I would ideally like is to be in a place like six months to a year and have very m- minimal accommodations, um, places f- where other artist thinkers would gather to live. Kind of like a monastery. <laughs> we did a little monastery, at very simple accommodations. I could give body work and, and voice lessons, very small room, cook food in a common space, have a rehearsal space, be able to take walks in the urban center or in nature, do things like this, conversations um, and uh, collaborations, artistic collaborations, and uh, really have a sense of um, trying to imagine how to live in a way that is that works well, especially with a lot of our um, issues going to climate change and... Um, <laughs> Capitalism teetering off the edge. So (laughs) there's a lot of of questions. There's a lot of things that are happening right now. And so I find that figuring out what works best for me is the best first step, creating that world um, and trying to make it happen as much as possible whilst addressing current issues and then trying also to imagine, envision stories future stories um, of a different society. And when you're talking about future stories, I'm just curious because you've already <clears throat> done body work and you've done song and you've done plays. Is there video? Is there, um, uh, are there other avenues that you're going to use to build this world in the future that you're looking forward to? A, a novel series or something like that? I think film really appeals to me. I would love to be able to do that. I think that the next step, I, I still, even though I've done a lot, I still am kind of somebody that dips my toe. You know, but also I don't have many resources. I would like resources. If anybody mm-hmm. would like to help me out with that, <laughs> you can do that. But if there's some money that's required for, for doing some larger scale projects. So if the next step is, is to get the plays read, and then to get them plays produced. And if cameras could be integrated into the filming of the plays, that might be really interesting to do like a filming of a play. There are interesting ways that you could kind of, oh, take down some of the expectations around what, let's see, blend the boundaries, I guess is what I'm trying to say more between film and, and play work. And then maybe the next step after that would be to write a screenplay or something, that, mm. or an actual film. So, yes, I would love to do that. Well, I mean, we only have a couple of minutes left, but we've really only talked about kind of your ideas, and we haven't talked about where to kind of dip our toe into the things that you've already done. So if somebody wants to explore this world 
that you've already been in the process of creating for at least the last seven years. Where where would be a good place for them to start? You already mentioned that you self-published a book. I'm sure that there are other places they could go. Where could they find the things that you've been working on? Yeah, that's great. Uh, so my website madelinemcneil.com I'm going to spell it because it's not there are a lot easy. of ways to spell Madeline it's very, and yeah. McNeil yes <laughs> M, it's spelled Madeline yeah. M-A-D-E-L-I-N-E McNeil is M-C-N-E-I-L-L two L's dot com and so that website um, has a lot of my past work and um, it's a good place to start uh, I'm also on Facebook same name and I'm often updating uh, if you did get a hold of me, you can contact me through my website and ask to be on a newsletter. Um, and I think that's the good that's a good first place. Uh, the book that I wrote is called "Is There a Soul," which you can find on Amazon. And what and about buy. performances, live mm-hmm. performances? Are you doing much around town? I don't have much scheduled right now. Really, what I am trying to do is get some readings scheduled. Uh, and then also and put get these plays forward. I'm I'm going to reach out to some people about maybe sneaking in to to some shows, but I haven't I haven't done that reach out yet. I love to collaborate with people, um, but I'm also trying to give myself the time and the space to really push some of these projects forward. And what about the talks at the Unitarian churches? Is there one coming up that people could come to if they're curious? I'm trying. I'm I'm in the midst of thinking about. In the midst of thinking. <laughs> about. No. That's very tentative. No, <laughs> there isn't yet. Um, next summer, uh, it's very possible that I'm going to reach out to a variety of uh, Unitarian spaces and try to schedule a tour. I haven't started doing that yet, so. It's kind of like one thing at a time. I have some things on the horizon. But right now, I am in Spokane for the next three months for sure, and possibly just through the spring as well, uh, where I will um, be trying to do these play, play projects, getting those forward, and also reconnecting with a lot of people around this artistic transition that I've recently gone through, which is from being mainly a performer, uh, singer-songwriter style, to doing more collaborative group work to create this world that you have, <laughs> that you have alluded to. <laughs> that was great. Yeah. Now, is that a term that you had been using in, in on your own, or was this something that I, that I just, I mean, I don't know. Is that something that you had thought of in that way before? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. Well, because I didn't want to, I didn't want to put words into your mouth, that's but if, fine. If, it felt like that's what was going on. <laughs> yeah, that's it's very true. Now, can I ask a weird question? Since we're getting out of here, and we kind of have an extra minute or two, would you be willing to play us out with another song? Sure. And then, you know, in a minute or two, we'll just fade out. I think that would be a. Cool I was thinking idea. the same thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Good, Great good minds, thought. or thought, you yeah. know, minds anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, what should I play? I have so, a little jazzy song. So as you're right. figuring this out, I just want to say thank you for coming, and it was fascinating hearing you talk about uh, everything that you're doing, and, and I'm just, I, like I say, I'm very fascinated by it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you, Madeline. It was a pleasure. It was yeah. a really wonderful conversation. Thank you. I'm going to do a song that I wrote a long time ago, uh, but um, it began, it's a song that I began to write, or I wrote while I was teaching English in Korea in 2010. This is when the body philosophy just was starting. It's called Sol for X. Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> 
In the deep, dark recesses of my apartment, I think about the things that I can't be, and I wish I could figure what to do about it. I want to solve for me. I solve for me, I'd say I'm intelligent, the variables are there, I just gotta work them like 3x plus 4 equals 7, now I just gotta solve for x. I solve for x, move the 4 right over, and all I gotta do is divide by 3, I'll stare into space until I get it, I want to solve for me. I solve for me, move the 4 right over, and all you gotta do is divide by 3. It's just so simple, then why can't I get it? Why can't I solve for x? I solve for x, I'm gonna keep trying, I'm not gonna stop. I don't care what you say, well, maybe for a minute, I stop and I